By faith, they passed through the Red Sea, as through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after the Israelites had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. The title of today's message is Faith and Conquest. Again, Faith and Conquest from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 29 to 31. The author mentioned the faith of Moses and his parents. Their faith became part of the history of the return of Israel from captivity. By faith, the parents did not fear the king's edict. They then saved baby Moses. When Moses grew up, he identified with God's people rather than enjoying the privileges of a prince. Moses chose Christ over the pleasures of sin, and Moses did not fear the wrath of the king because Moses looked at God. By faith, Moses warned the Hebrews to observe the past Passover to protect their firstborn from the destroyer. The author would then pivot to the people's faith according to the crossing the Red Sea and the people's faith to conquer Jericho. The mentee of Moses, Joshua, led the conquest of Jericho. And again, it was by faith. I go to my first point. Faith to move forward in obedience. Faith to move forward in obedience. The Israelites crossed the Red Sea, but the Egyptians died when they attempted the same thing. Two nations, one crossed the Red Sea, and the people were able to move to the other side. The Egyptians, a people who have no faith in God, but faith with many gods, instead of the one God, pursued. But because they were not looking at God and they became enemies of God, they perished. Faith in God brought salvation to Israel, but the absence of faith with the Egyptians led to destruction. Now, we know that the author encouraged the readers of his letter to continue in faith. I'd like to read verse 29. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though as through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Now, the Egyptian army tried to pursue why Israel, the whole nation, the people of Israel, were their slaves. They are an important component in their economy. They are an important component in building the burial sites, the pyramids of their pharaohs. They're losing so much opportunity and asset 
if they let go of Israel. So after grieving for a while, after grieving the loss of their firstborn, they changed their minds. And they decided to pursue. Initially, we would read in Exodus 14 that the Israelites became afraid, but Moses encouraged them. Although the Israelites initially, I would say initially they were afraid, and I would say perhaps they doubted, yet after the encouragement of Moses, they stood firm, and in faith they obeyed and walked on dry land after God showed the way. I just remember that sometimes people have faith in God because it's their last resort. Not their first, but last. First, they will try everything on their own. They will try their own way, and they will keep failing and, and suffer miserably. And they will rely on their own strength. They believe in the modern adage that says, Believe in yourself, which I do not adhere to. I prefer believing in God and what he has graced me to do. There's a big difference between believing in yourself, yourself as the center, and believing in the grace of God in you. There's a big difference there. But let me encourage you, let God not be your last option. Let him be always the first. The author emphasized that faith in God allowed Israel to survive the mightiest army during that time. Egypt was the superpower, and they survived the superpower. Thus, he encouraged the Jewish believers who were the recipients of the epistle or the letter to remain in the faith. And that has been the theme of the book. Remain in the faith. Continue in the faith. Despite what you are experiencing, do not go back to Judaism for the sake of your protection or, or for the sake of having a more peaceful life. Rather, pursue Christ. Remain in the faith no matter what happens because for sure our soul will cross over. Your soul will cross over because the promises of God are not just for the earth. The real promises of God is eternal. It is not here. The suffering is temporal. It is earthly. And while we live here, maybe what, 70 years, 80 years, maybe younger because of persecution for their, in their time. But the real objective is the rewards of God through faith. The promises of God in Christ in eternity. And that is what these people, the Israelites or the Jewish people, Jewish believers, during this time of the letter, the author was encouraging them, look beyond. Don't just look here, because if you just look here, if you focus on the pleasures of the world, if you focus on just belonging to the people of the earth for the sake of belonging, if you focus here, you will be misled. Rather, have faith in Christ. Look at the invisible like Moses. They saw the invisible. 
Another thing that we can observe here in the text is that transition of the author from the faith of individuals and families, families to the faith of a collective people. Take note. In Hebrews 11, you see there about, uh, you see the different characters like Abel. You see Noah. We see there uh, Abraham. We see Isaac. We see Jacob. We see Sarah there. We see Moses, uh, the parents of Moses, meaning the family of Moses who had faith. We saw Moses having faith. But this time, the author said, by faith, the people. It's now a collective. Supporting the truth that we as a collective should have faith in God. And the people of Israel, as a collective... Led by Moses, who, have faith, who has faith in God, had faith in God, and now as a collective people, having faith, moving forward, would be able to survive. And somehow this supports the author in chapter 10, the other statement that do not neglect the meeting together, rather encourage one another. Why is, God, why is that God's design? That the church in the New Testament should meet together, learn from one another, and grow together. Why? Again, he also looks at a collective faith. The collective faith of us all. And that collective faith can support one another in the small groups, and even us as a church community. And if you are blessed more than others, you have a collective faith in your family. And I do believe mighty things do happen from individual faith to collective faith. The importance of praying together, of growing together in Scripture, and conquering together. Thus the believer should then not neglect the meeting of each other and encouraging one another. And we found that in chapter 10, verse 25 of Hebrews. Do not neglect it. Rather, Continue, be steadfast. That's why when we are encouraging some of you to serve, applying it here, how do we serve? We can serve in many ways, but one thing we should not forget how to serve is proclaiming the gospel and somehow just encouraging others to continue in the faith. How do we do that? By participating in small groups. Please don't see small groups as what you can get from it, but you also have to look at what you can give. Because if you're only focusing at what you can get, then again, you're looking at it in a self-centric way. The small group is a way not only to receive some blessing, but it is also a way to contribute blessing to others by listening, which is an exercise of unity, listening, and then sharing, and then praying for one another. Usually, the, the problem if you became, were a non-believer, becoming a believer in Christ, one of the things that we have to change by the grace of God alone is that concept of being self-centric and then now also contributing to others. Why? Because we are so absorbed with what we need and what others, our families need, but we are less inclined to think of the needs of others both spiritually and other things. So w when we look at the small group, as we build the collective faith, perhaps you are more mature than others in terms of understanding 
but maybe not as mature of, compared to others in terms of contribution to the faith of others. Take note, meeting together is a way we can encourage one another. It's also a way we can learn to love one another. What is love? Love is patient. <laughs> Some speak about love, but they don't speak about patience. Friends, love is patient. As we are learned to be patient with one another, growing together in Christ, that is one of the expressions of love. What is another expression of love? When Jesus said, uh, when Jesus washed the feet of disciples, the disciples in, in John 13, he said, love one another. What was the context he was serving? It's not the lovey-dovey-doo, I miss you so much, you know. <laughs> it's talking about what? Serving one another. How can I help you today? And that is an expression of love. Giving time to pray, giving time to les listen, giving time to these things, contribute, express the love of Jesus to one another. The second point is faith to obey for victory, for the purpose of victory. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they walked around the city for seven days. They obeyed in faith, and God gave them victory. Thus, the recipients of the letters should trust in the victory in Christ over sin and death. Let's read verse 30 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. It says there, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after the Israelites had marched around them for seven days. If you're interested with the story, you go to Joshua in the Old Testament. And it's an exciting book. If you like war, you'll see there how God is involved in the victory of Israel during wartime. Now, Joshua led the Israelites to encircle Jericho for seven days. And Jericho had walls where you can drag race. You can take a horse and race, a few horses, and race around the wall, the top wall of Jericho. It was so thick. You can read that in, in Joshua chapter 6. On the seventh day, the mighty walls fell. The people believed and obeyed God's instructions. Thus, the Lord gave them victory. Imagine the faith to believe, to obey, so that they will be victorious. Instead of say, God saying, okay, uh, build catapults and, and keep hitting the walls. I don't think that would work easily during that time because the walls were so thick. So what was the instruction? March around once every day on the seventh day, seven times, then shout. And the walls came tumbling down. They had faith, but there was obedience. True faith will result in obedience. Let me emphasize that. True faith, genuine faith, will result in obedience. The authors show that God did mighty deeds through the, through the faith of his people. Let me say that again. The authors show that God did mighty deeds through the faith of his people. Now, through Christ, he, God, could show mercy and grace. Christ defeated death. Christ is a warrior. His sacrifice led to the victory, his victory over death. 
and hell and sin. He was the only one who could defeat that. But to go through that, he had to suffer, he had to die. The author encouraged the recipients of the letter, the Jewish believers, to believe in the finished work of Christ. Of course, he will say this explicitly later on in chapter 12, but I just included it here for the sake of context. In the earlier verse, we see how Israel survived. In verse 30, we see that through faith they conquered. Now, I believe throughout the generations, from the first generation New Testament church until today, believers from every generation will experience having to survive through faith, and they will experience how to conquer in faith. In our generation today, there are many those who are suffering in different countries around the world. They are surviving. Many are surviving, yet those whose time is up would die. Yes, there's a point that God would lift the protection, the physical protection, and allow you to die as martyrs. Why? There is a purpose. The blood of the martyrs is usually the foundation of many people believing. Just like in the New Testament, as they persecuted and killed the believers, the more they grew. When the Iron Curtain closed in China, oh, they, they call it the Bamboo Curtain closed. Many, many years ago, through the transition, and there was a cultural cleansing led by Mao Zedong. Many Christians were killed, many went underground. But what was the result? Since they went underground and they moved from house to house in smaller groups, they spread so fast that right now there is an estimated conservative, estimated conservative, 100 million believers in China right now, same as the population of the whole Philippines. Some will survive, some will die, but what will happen? We will conquer. Conquer in what way? We conquer not for selfish reasons. We conquer in what way? To go and make disciples of all nations for the glory of God. That we proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That we proclaim the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, last point. Let's look at Rahab or Rahab. Faith to partner with the people of the community. Well, she had faith in God. And if you have faith in God, the next thing you do is to partner with God's people. And here, he had faith in God. Therefore, he partnered with the spies. He worked with the spies. He dwelt in unity. She moved in unity with Israel, thereby protecting the spies that Joshua sent giving Joshua a more clear understanding of what they are against. By faith, Rahab welcomed the spies of Israel. She feared God more than the soldiers. Thus, Jewish believers of that time, receiving this encouragement from the writer, should fear God. They should continue to welcome God's people as they are doing and not fear those who are against the gospel. Let's read verse 31. By faith, Rahab the harlot or the prostitute 
the prostitute Rahab did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Let us take note that Rahab was not a Hebrew. This is the first record I could see where a non from the Exodus, a non-Jew, a non-Hebrew, becoming a believer of God, of Yahweh. She was a Gentile, a non-Jew. Proof that God planned for the inclusion of the Gentiles. This is so important. Why the mystery written in, in, the, in, in the letter of Ephesians by Paul was this mystery that is now revealed is what? That God's plan, God's ch chosen people, Israel, are not the only chosen people. It's really would be the result through Christ, would be the church of Jesus Christ composed of Jewish people and non-Jewish people. Here you already see a foreshadowing of God's plan, which is inclusive of the Gentiles. And we are Gentile believers, unless you have Jewish blood. If you have Jewish blood, tell me please. In Christ, both Jew and Gentile comprise the church. And uh, yes, that is God's plan, to have a people for eternity. Ito yung makakasama niya for eternity, forever. And there would be Jewish people and the Gentile people as well. The author commended the recipients of the letter for assisting other believers who suffered persecution. And we see this in Hebrews 10.34, uh, how you welcome them even to the loss of your property. Thus, Jewish believers supported God's people much like what Rahab did in Jericho. So he's commending them, yes, you welcome them. And remember, Rahab did the same thing. And Rahab was even a Gentile, yet he, she and her family were, were accepted by God. So you will be accepted by God. Application, continue in faith. The continuous theme, continue, continue, continue. By God's grace, let us continue in faith. Genuine faith leads to salvation. Yes, true faith leads to salvation. But the absence of faith leads to destruction. Christ made the impossible possible, which is the salvation of all who genuinely believe. Why was it impossible? Because the justice of God demands that we all suffer for eternity. That is a demand of the justice of God. If you want God to be fair, all of us should be in hell. But because God is also just, he found a just way, a legal way, which is the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ for all who would believe, for all that he had chosen. We must keep moving forward. Brothers, move forward. Do not look back. You just move forward. Remember what Jesus said, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of me. And he said, you cannot be my disciple. So when you start the Christian journey, you don't look back. We keep moving forward. God intends to conform us to the image of his son. The mission to make disciples of all nations remains. That is our mission. We move forward. We have to help in making disciples. If you think you're still not enough skill to do it, then you have to support those who are doing it. Just help them. Please don't wait to be called to join. You were already enlisted when you had faith in Christ. 
you just say, let me help. Let me serve with you. And if we do that together, praise the Lord, because we are continuing in the faith. Christ is building his church. The intent of Christ is what a mature church. You'll find this in Ephesians chapter 4. God's plan is for that leaders like pastors, evangelists, teachers, the writings of the apostles, the prophets. For what purpose? To equip the church. To equip the people so that the people can do the work of the ministry. That's why I, I do not believe a person is yet a real pastor if he cannot equip God's people to do the work. Anyone who does the work just himself or everybody else, that church will be limited because of that limited leadership. The focus, part of the focus is not only doing God's work through evangelism and discipleship, but equipping God's people so that God's people can participate in what? Building the church. So that as we build the church, what's the, what's the end result? We are not easily moved by every wind of doctrine. We don't easily believe every teaching we hear. We are not as welcoming to everybody, but very welcoming to those who preach the truth. That's why we encourage you, study scripture. How do we study? You study the intent of the author. You study the book itself. Once you learn the intent of the author, what it means during that context, then... Then you look at now, how does it apply to us? You'll realize if you use this filter that many who on TV and many would not pass the test. And I'm glad to say to you, yet there are many who are very careful in handling the word of truth. In fact, many songs will not pass this test because they are not doctrinally correct. But how would you know if you don't even study? You don't know. What's your usual excuse, excuse to find justification? You just find a teacher that agrees with you. You see, he also studied the Bible, right? Because you're lazy in studying it yourself, you have to rely on others. Well, it's good to rely on others, but not completely. We must test every teaching. As the Bereans even tested the teachings of Paul, the apostle himself. And Paul said... What wonderful people, what noble people, checking if what I am saying is really from the word. If you do that with me, I would say the same thing. What a wonderful people. What noble people, testing the truths I share here, if it's really accurate. But not only to me, to every person you meet. Not because you are a heresy hunter, not because you are Pharisaic, Remember, Pharisees are those who look at the mistakes of others, but do not do self-reflection, do not admit their own faults. Yet 26 of the 27 New Testament books dealt with false teaching, warned us of false teaching. If the New Testament is concerned about that, we should be. And I'm not talking only about the well-known cults that we know. I'm talking about so-called believers, even in popular churches, that we think are evangelical, but are not accurate with the truth. Christ is building his church, but that's not enough that we know the truth. We have to speak the truth in love. And what is love? We serve one another in Christ. We are patient with one another. We are kind. We are not jealous with one another. We grow together in the faith. 
all believers must humbly contribute to the building of his church. So brothers, let us do this together. Let us encourage one another. Let us pray for one another. Next, application, have faith in Christ who conquered. The beautiful thing about this is it was really God who gave them victory in the Old Testament. And it's the same way today. It is Christ who already gave us the victory through his death and resurrection. Our faith in his word confirms that it is he who brings the victory. That's why the, the Old Testament people, Moses and Joshua, trusted in the instruction of God. What is the instruction of God? That is God's word. So today we have God's word as we trust in the instruction of God. We will experience the victory in Christ, the victory of long ago, and the victory today. What he commands us is to have faith. Christ already won the victory, therefore we must believe in the divine conquest. What is a divine conquest? Christ defeated sin and death. That is the divine conquest. You know the big difference? All religions will say, do this, do that. Work your salvation. Earn enough points so that one day you will be saved. Do enough good works. You have to earn it. Most religions will say that. But in Christ, there's a big difference. It's in Christ, it's not earn your salvation. It is what? I have earned it for you. Therefore, you must believe. And if you believe, then you shall be saved. Of course, we're talking about genuine belief, genuine faith, which results into believing the Word of God more than you believe yourself, more than anything else. It is the Word of God. In Christ, it's different. All religions will say, do this! Christ says, says it is done. It is done. It is done. Salvation is not something we can earn through the merits or good works. Salvation is something that Christ gives to all who repent and believe in the gospel. And last, let us belong to God's people as Raha belonged, learned to belong to the Israelites, to be part of them. Let us be part of God's people. Faith in God's promises through Christ ushers us into a relationship with God, which includes a relationship with his people. You know that saying, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your brothers and sisters. <laughs> it's the same thing here. If I am in Christ, truly in Christ, and you are truly in Christ, then we have no choice, brother, sister. We have to learn to love one another. Even if I don't like how you comb your hair, we still have to love one another. Even if I don't like how you eat your food, you eat with so much sound that the whole room hears you chewing your food. Even if you are like that, I have to learn to love you as my brother or as my sister. Even if I see the imperfections in you, I have to learn to love you as my brother and sister. Why? Because there are still so many imperfections in me as well. Some of us are quick to see the imperfections of others, but do not see our own imperfections. That's why before you cast the first stone, be very careful. 
He didn't say, do not rebuke. We must rebuke one another. But you know how to rebuke? It's this way. Brother, I observe something that I think needs correction. Now, I'm not saying this as somebody better than you or holier than you. In fact, if you see me do the same, please correct me as well. I am one like you, therefore I correct you too. That is how to correct one another. And I hope we learn that as a people. Is that all right? It's not. For how many times have you done that, huh? Sometimes we give that license to parents, to children. But then parents would have to say one day, uh, the truth is, when I was younger, I was like you as well. And admit that, me too. That's why I'm trying my best to correct you so that you become a better version, that you do not become like me in everything. Oh, it's fun when, when our children are like us in some ways, only in the good parts. <laughs> Amen. We hope they're better than us in the other parts of us. That's just the reality. We walk this earth by grace alone, imperfect, yet having the faith, having the desire to obey. And many times we are successful, but there are times to remain humble. God will show us that we are imperfect as well like others. Therefore, as a community, we can conquer together, but we must be patient with one another. Belong to the people of God let us continue to welcome each other and grow together, together as we study God's word as a church family. So if you don't have a growth group, we encourage you to join. If you know somebody who has a growth group, you just ask help. Can you connect me with somebody? I just want to see how they do it, how I can, if somebody can help me study God's word, guide me how I can begin this. How do I read this thing? Can somebody guide me? You give us a message through Facebook, we'll try to respond. And I hope it's not just the Sunday event that you want to be part of us because that is incomplete. Church community is really not just the Sunday event. Yes, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, they gathered together as a big group, but they also gathered in small houses and in small groups. And so we encourage you, do not neglect the small groups. We call them growth groups or discipleship groups or house churches if we are reaching the neighborhood. Through faith as a collective. Remember, Israel had a collective faith and they were victorious by God's grace. So through faith as a collective, as a church community, or as small groups, we will survive and we will conquer in his, his name unless it is time to go home. When it is time to go home, we will miss you for sure. But we are not totally sad because we will still see you one day. But if you're not in the faith, that is what will grieve us. If we're not so sure, we're just hoping. Oh God, I hope he repented at the last breath. You, some, you know that some people plan their lives like that. They will compromise until the last breath. What if an airplane crashed on you and there was no consciousness of a last breath? Do you know that that happened? It was in the news. Somebody was just cooking at home in a plane. A small plane crashed on her house. She's dead. Oh, funny how life just takes us. All I'll plan in the latter days, I'll be more committed to Christ. Foolishness, I would say. Foolishness. 
No, the day of salvation is today, the author said. If today you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Let us grow in faith together and let us endure together. Proclaim the gospel together. Let's make disciples together in his name. Praise God for the victory. And we will be telling stories once we are in heaven of how we survived and by God's grace, how we were victorious in Christ. And that would be an amazing time together. We would be interacting with Abel. We will interact with Noah and Abraham and the other heroes of the faith. But we only, in the New Testament, they had to look at the Old Testament heroes. Right now, we also look at the New Testament heroes, the lives they lived. They did sacrifice on earth, but the reward was greater. That's why we look at God who gives the reward. And it's not all on earth. Most of it will be there in the next chapter of our lives. So I give you right now a poem entitled Faith and Victory. The sound of marching troops rumbled, pierced the nerves, they almost stumbled. But the words of Moses they heard found their wits when their faith was stirred. Step towards the waves with wonder, clear path amid walls of water, walked on dry land on the seabed, the pursuers would soon be dead. Round about they marched Jericho, renowned walled city long ago. On the final day they shouted, uh, the wall and defenses shattered. Rahab, she protected the spies by faith. It was an act so wise to turn to the God of the sea and land and air and victory. Oh, let faith be stirred within me as he unfolds my destiny. Let his word echo in my mind with a gospel clearly defined. Christ suffered and died for our sin, rose again from the dead, that's him. He commands, proclaim repentance, O church, this is our credence. Our hearts are bound, we are one body. Church, a collective unity, set to proclaim his victory onward with the gospel story. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you for this day. Thank you for sharing. Lord, this truth, we thank you for the epistle to the Hebrews, that you allowed it to survive through time with many manuscripts. That now we can enjoy the intents of the author, your intent, basically that we should remain in the faith, that we should continue, that there is nothing that can stop your purpose through us, nothing. Not the whole army like the Egyptians, not like the walls of Jericho. If you want your purpose fulfilled through us, 
as individuals and as a collective unity, nothing can stop that. Thank you. Thank you that Thank you for your truth and your word and your Holy Spirit. And as we take a step forward in faith, never looking back, that your grace is always there to strengthen us, to do what needs to be done. Move us to contribute to the building of your people. And we may encourage, imperfect as we are, use us, Lord. Imperfect as they are, Teach us to love with patience and kindness. As all imperfect human beings but saved by grace, having faith to obey, having that desire to be conformed to the image of His Son, strengthen this collective unity, the, our church community. Strengthen us, O Christ Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Son. Praise you, Holy Spirit. You did not abandon us in our wayward ways. You pulled us in by your grace. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes we think, why us? Why did you save us? For sure now we know it's only by grace and your mercy. And there's nothing in us worth saving. But because you are merciful and you are gracious, you did so. So Lord, our broken lives we give to you. Use it, Lord, while we are on earth. Praising you and obeying you. May we cry out, not unto us, not unto us, give glory, but to your name alone, in Christ alone, through faith alone. May you be glorified. Bless this day as well for a day of fathers. That we celebrate fathers who are here and who have gone ahead of us. But teach us to treasure and appreciate the fathers who exist whether they are near or they are far. And we as fathers, may we reflect, though imperfect, we will strive to do our best. Though limited by faith, we will break some of those limitations that we can be the Father you meant us to be, reflecting your glory to our children. We thank you for the forgiveness, and we thank you for the forgiveness of our family. So we strive to lead and protect and inspire and sacrifice. Not for them first, but for you, Lord, for your greater glory. We love them because we love you. We take care of them because you want us to take care of them. You have given us a heart to love them, and that came from you. And if we are fathers who were irresponsible for many, many years, 
forgive us. Renew our minds and hearts. That you may be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, God bless you. Good morning.